Yo, welcome to Stars Podcast, the home of Growth Mindset Moment, where we break down the habits, hacks, and protocols the stars use while relentlessly moving forward to maximize our daily potential. If this is your first time, welcome to the fam. If you're a longtime listener, thank you for stopping back. Our guests range from entrepreneurs, C-suite pros, Web3, NFT, and crypto enthusiasts, jujitsu athletes, fitness instructors, mindset coaches, lawyers, and everything in between. They may seem different on the surface. However, when we start to break down the systems they all live by, we quickly realize we're all not so different after all. I'm your host, Ron Jordan, along with my co-host, Alyssa Jordan, coming out of Rosinante Studios in Slippery Rock, Pennsylvania. Let's get into the journey. Our guests today are from Illist. Illist is an interactive map company powered by the blockchain and augmented reality. Rob McCarty and Tim Prochak are the co-founders of Illist. Rob and Tim met by yelling at each other at a party, and they weren't even at the same house. Then they regathered each other while they were out surfing. I got to tell you, after I listened to their origin story and how they became co-founders of Illist and what they have going on in the blockchain with augmented reality... I knew it was a no-brainer that they had to join the Stars podcast and share that story and how they got to where they're at today and what they're doing for the blockchain and also what they're doing for artists in augmented reality. Please join me in welcoming Rob and Tim from Illist. Welcome to the show, guys. Hey, hey. Hey, how's it going? Good, <laughs> man. You so much. <laughs> Yo, I'm pumped because I got to be honest with you. I've been talking about what you're doing right now in the blockchain for, I don't know, two years at this point. And I know you've been in augmented reality since it looked like 2018. Um, so yeah, can you like run me through that little origin story about that 4th of July party and uh, yeah. the the serendipitous nature of you guys going out surfing in the same spot? Like how crazy? It was, it was, yeah, it was very mental. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, yeah. Tim was just coming in. He was, he was, he moved here from the UK and didn't really know too many folks, but uh, I had just gotten done doing the activation for Facebook at South by Southwest, got to work with a lot of different, really amazing augmented reality artists. And, uh, and so, yeah, at the 4th of July event, uh, one of my buddies was just like speaking his mind off the, off the roof. It's just in a funny way and in a, a non-confrontational way, but Tim being the British, British one he is, did not hesitate to throw, to, to throw it back on him. And, uh, and so my buddy turned to us like, I kind of feel bad. I was just like, kind of ripping on this guy. But then he also just ripped it back on me. Should we invite him up? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. It's one of my buddy Ramon's neighbors. And uh, so we invited him up. And then uh, I was talking to him. And it turns out that he knew a lot of the folks that I worked with on the, the activation with Spark AR. And he was also, and then Tim was also a 3D artist himself and had a lot of experience doing, uh, he was doing consulting for Sony before that and really plugged in with the Snap ecosystem as one of their creative partners and helped them launch their Lens Studio. And we had just a phenomenal chat. And, uh, and then after the fact, uh, so we had that conversation and then I, I had just a really, really, really bad day. Uh, and I just really the, the only way I could kind of clear my mind and just try and take take a step outside of the the current situation was it's like I just need to go surfing and uh and so I paddled out and it was literally one of like the worst days of my life it was just like 
this big, big thing happened. And uh, so I paddled out and there was no one out there. And it was just like beautiful Venice day, except for like one little dot on like the side. And I paddled out, I'm like, that looks pretty familiar. Oh no shit, it's Tim. And uh, we were, we were, we were already talking about at the party. We're like, oh, we should definitely, you know, try and try. I found out he surfs. I was like, yeah, we should definitely try and surf sometime. And then sure enough, and it's all about my day and, and all of that. And as we are kind of just shooting the shit, uh, we, we ended up going into this idea of, and this is, yeah, 2019 still. It's like, well, what if we took the graphics that our peers and what we're making and we put these on the blockchain and... We didn't have the, the concept of an NFT, but we're like, we should put, you know, digital assets, these augmented graphics on the chain. And then those graphics could then be called at any like location in the world and like really strengthen that relationship between like digital art, having like a physical presence and what that could do with like provenance and what that can do with, and we we're just kind of workshopping and just kind of jamming on this, this idea. And then, Kind of at the end of the surf session, we're like, let's definitely do this. <laughs> yeah, how, and again, like you said, it's so serendipitous of when when you need it most, how these opportunities, it's, I don't know if you're a Harry Potter fan, it's like the room of requirements. Like whenever you oh, yeah. really need something and you lean into sort of your your path of clearing your mind and allowing those things to enter, uh, it, they just present themselves and, and Tim sort of just presented himself. And Tim also wanted to get into the augmented reality world and i botched the intro too by the way tim's not here today so we're going to talk as if tim you know whatever <laughs> um but tim I, I listened to the vimeo and I, I watched some of your stuff and and i and i he was telling his story that he wanted to get closer to the augmented reality world so he came out to california and so like these Anybody who's like aspiring to be an entrepreneur or aspiring to do things and making the leap to make it happen, you know, taking those first steps, I think are what your origin story points to all of those things. And then also the self-care that you have to implement so you don't just absolutely fizzle the F out, you know, because shit gets heavy quick. For sure. And For to sure. be able to have a co-founder that's in the same mind space as that is is just really cool. And knowing that origin story and just kind of how um, how it came to be, I think, is really important for your story and what you're doing yeah. with with artists because of kind of the the morals and the ethics that you bring to the space. Yeah, yeah, it was it was it was pretty it was pretty interesting. And part of it too was uh, a big a big motivation for us to really get over the hump was. Tim was always about one month away from going back to the UK. Um, and so it really forced us because we bootstrapped the business. And I remember this moment where it was, we decided to incorporate the business like February, I think like February 20th, around around then of 2020. And we had all these different uh, like festival agreements to do these like digital graphics for say like Insomniac and whatnot. Yeah. And, and then all of a sudden COVID, we're like, Oh my God. And so it was always that moment because we were like, okay, cool. Like we, we built out an agency first before we started to invest in the tech. Um, and so we, we basically bootstrapped uh, to get to a point where we were able to bring on a, a blockchain developer to help us build out the, the system. And so we're doing agency work and, but it was always like one month away and just like, okay, we can pay for rent, we can pay for food. 
and it's like okay, counting counting the the beans to make sure that we were we were able to make it through and, and it was always touch and go but yeah it was it was it was really exciting to be able to just have it, it was definitely day by day and to live but to be present day by day was just so essential and every day mattered i think that was the thing that's like really really coming coming ahead is that when you need to get when you need to get space and you need to get perspective taking you need you can't just work hard through that you need to actually find a way to get that and i think that um that's that's something that we've always been pretty good about is just being able to take the space whether it be creative whether it be just straight up executing but to like have those moments where we can perspective take. And for me and Tim, like going out and surfing is one of those things that can help us kind of reset the, the, the hard drive. Heck yeah. And those are the things that have to happen. I mean, and also the shared responsibility of the business is always important. So it doesn't always just fall on your shoulders. It's a, it's a team effort. And whenever you have a shared vision, the way that you do and sort of the creativity that happens inside of your ecosystem, like, again, I was just very briefly going over some of the things that you had going on. And early on, um, I think it was just post COVID. I mean, what, what a time to incorporate a business that is really focused on interaction and trying to be out there and do festivals and things like that. And then obviously COVID hits. Um, but it actually, to me, it gives you a unique opportunity as well to do something like you guys did with ghosting. Ghosting is a really unique application of kind of like this virtual gallery of sorts. Yeah. Yeah. Ghosting was, was and what a clever on. name. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was, that was a Tim, that was a Tim one. Um, yeah. We, we, we came up with that one uh, because a lot of Tim's friends had some really awesome works and we wanted to be able to, kind of take this around and, and kind of share this with, with the world and share this with major cities. And since it, this was kind of late 2020, or early 2021 that we launched it, it was, uh, it was something that we could, you could go outside, you could be able to engage with the artwork at a time when it was hard to engage with culture and you could do it from, you know, anytime, any moment that you want to. So we took basically an augmented reality exhibition toward it from Berlin to London and while it was in London, uh, we worked with a group called Code and Culture that uh, they were pretty awesome. They fully uh, dialed into the, the London culture, fashion, music scene, and uh, they put this thing on called Soho Music Month. And so they, they featured like tours of when Ghosting was in London, they did tours around the locations for people and kind of showed them like how walk them through AR and walk them through wallets and like all of the different kind of components. So uh, big ups to them. But uh, yeah, then we took it to Miami, New York, and then LA. And, and so every time we went to a new city, we also brought in artists from that city to kind of share their works, share, share their like stories that they want to tell. And then by the end of it, we were doing kind of like little auctions along the way um, for some of those works. So those of you who are not familiar with augmented reality whatsoever, um, it, it is more or less a digital overlay on the real world. So think about any time that you have um, any time that you've seen like a Pokemon Go or something like that where you can see the physical being or your physical surrounding. But then you have this digital piece in front of you. So if it's a Pikachu or something like that, 
Um, I'm just using that for an example because it seems to be pretty macro where everybody understands it. That's augmented reality. And I brought up augmented reality in my day job. So I sell high voltage electrical equipment. And part of that whole ecosystem, I also sell LED streetlights. And my biggest drawback, and I think that this is a unique, maybe even opportunity for you guys because you have all the tech, is getting somebody to understand what this is going to look like in their environment before they actually purchase it. Because before we had a whole big run up of getting a sample, installing it, figuring out if it looks good, getting the people that need to see it in the same space at the same time. I mean, you're talking like, I don't know, it could be a six month run up in order for you to actually sell this thing. And now I can use this augmented reality app in, in 30 seconds. I can show them exactly what the performance is going to look like. I can show them exactly what it's going to look like in their streetscape. I, I've been saying augmented reality is sort of the, the, the gateway drug to the metaverse because it, it overlays what we're already used to seeing with something in the future. And, and that's why I, th- I think that like what you're doing with ghosting uh, with that whole gallery is, is something of importance because you can take that artwork and literally put it anywhere in the world for the rest of time. Exactly. Yeah. You bring up a really good concept. Um, we, we like to call it the metaverse outside. Um, and that's, that's augmented reality. And so what we're hoping to do is give businesses, brands, creators, artists, uh, retail locations, essentially the tools of the metaverse, but they can kind of construct for, um, for their neighborhoods and for the cities. Um, and so by giving, by also giving an NFT more or less a street address, then it's kind of like the Chicago bean where it's like, if the Chicago, like the Chicago bean on its own right has like public art has so much gravity behind it. And so it's, it's because of its, its location. It's like the contents of the artwork itself. And so it's kind of built up this, this level of fervor for people that are going and visiting. So what we want to do is kind of give using spaces that, that kind of compelling narrative component is like when you tie a digital art to a location and it kind of has a home that it, it feels like it's much more part of of the experience. And so there's actually a concept that this is kind of, uh, I think actually the first time we're going to really announce it. Uh, but this concept called the LOCA NFT, um, L-O-C-A, and it stands for Location Ordered Contextually Aware NFT. And basically what it is, is essentially an NFT that knows it's contextually aware at that location. And so it's, it's all in augmented reality. And because it because it knows it's at that location, it can take on attributes of the environment. That's and cool. so that's going to be a big area that we're pushing forward in 2023. But I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. But yeah, that's that's where we're going. Is that the the actual augmented reality graphic feels like a true native experience because it's actually engaged and in interacting with the the world around us. Yeah, I, I would look for that to even be so customizable, too, for whatever the city is, whatever the actual locale is, if you wanted it to be 
more modern, if you wanted it to be more rustic, I could I could see that becoming um, almost like I, I was playing playing uh, Hogwarts today and kind of <laughs> constructing my room. I, this is why I'm saying room of requirement, because it's like on my brain. You could like customize the whole thing. And um, I, I just I think that customization is is the key for ownership. Um, mm-hmm. If you can customize what you what you own you you have more of a, a say so in how it looks and how it feels and and how that has meaning to you and how, what better way to do it than at a certain location yeah i want no, to great yeah i want to move forward into what you're going to announce at eth denver which is this passport system because yeah. i have been really interested in passport system or some sort of virtual scavenger hunt that was on chain that could unlock rewards and I think about it from I'm a baseball fan, and I was saying for the MLB, I was I was in the Candy Digital ecosystem early on, and there was like maybe 30 people inside of that that Discord, and I was discussing with them the ability for you to go around the baseball stadiums and actually go through and and find different digital assets, whether it was like historical things, uh, doing backstage kind of in the dugouts, just being able to have a more interactive approach with the, I mean, even at home plate, like have something that you can scan at home plate and say that you were there. Um, And then you collect all of these things and they go into your digital wallet and you redeem them. So you could like maybe burn them or they just unlock certain things for you uh, inside of that stadium. And I think it's a, a, a way to, to really incentivize brand loyalty um, and also kind of gamify the whole experience. So is that similar to what your passport system is going to look like, or am I totally off basis? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I'm like un- uncanny. No, you're, you're right on the money. Um, so basically the, the, pa- the way that we're looking at this is that we're not, if you look at other augmented reality projects in the space, a lot of them are selling virtual land. Mm-hmm. And so what, we didn't want to use that same metaphor for our platform when we we believe, and, and it's not, not to say that there's anything wrong with it, it's just we're taking a different approach. And so our approach is that rather than owning virtual land that you're selling and then you have plots, what we're doing is we're saying that you as the creator, you own your own world and I own my own world. And I can imagine any location in this world in any way that I want to. And since since we're taking it from a, a global approach, the idea is that you know you have your world, which is your map. I have my world, which is my map. And we're, they're basically map channels. And so in order for me to be able to kind of like jump around these different you know, borders or these different like countries or digital states or whatever we want to call them, we wanted to have, the, again, like a metaphor that could help be continuous and something that's simple that we understand in physical world uh, that can also be used and and applied. So we came up with the, it's basically the the passport Um, and the passport essentially is a, is a way for anyone to be able to start to um, navigate across these different virtual maps, these digital, these digital worlds. Um, So the passport with, let's say for example, ETH Denver, is that we have an ETH Denver channel. And the ETH Denver channel, it's a, it's a map that's exclusively ETH Denver. But what we've done is we have these little 
uh, side events or side quests, or mm -hmm. uh, we call them uh, layer maps. And what a layer map is, is essentially it's a, an affiliated partner, a project, a group that is, is it, it, it might be East Denver, it might also be Denver's arts district, but they're all tied to that group, like that big channel of East Denver. So if you, if you go to the East Denver map on Friday, you're going to see that there is, uh, so the Rhino Arts District and all of their murals. And then you're going to also see uh, Mint Gold Dust Culture Walk, where they're going to feature artworks from a bunch of artists that are in their marketplace. Some pretty awesome, um, some like street artists, some fine artists. It's, it's going to be pretty sweet. Um, there's going to be another uh, map layer that's tied to the East Denver Channel that's going to be uh, an open publishing area. So you can anchor a message or an NFT anywhere in Denver to like share with people who are going to be on the map. Um, so the passport basically gives you access to be able to um, go into these different different uh, map layers and be able to participate, engage, or claim uh, proof of presence tokens, which I'll probably share that in a sec. But uh, but then if we want to go even further down the passport metaphor, some of these may be token gated experiences. So maybe it's coming from you know a Justin Bieber or a Billie Eilish or whoever it is. They might actually want to visa gate it so you might need to get like a stamp in your passport to be able to visit the justin bieber world uh while he's on tour to get some of this virtual merch that he might be anchoring at some of his show locations um or you might need the avatar passport i guess avatar just got released but you might need uh, an insert movie name here to be able to get uh the passport to when you go to a movie theater and you check in using our system you might get uh, half off your popcorn or something along those lines. Um, so there's a lot of a lot of different kind of ways to mix and match. But yeah, the passport gives you access to all the worlds. And it sounds to me you're almost creating a metaverse social media of sorts, right? <clears throat> because you're able to interact and you're able to converse so long as you have access to that channel, which is gated and uh to be able to have that unique experience that, you know, let's face it, that's that's what a lot of these uh, communities are really built around is this core group of, of uh, early adopters and those who really believe in the ethos of what's going on. Um, and you bring up some of the bigger names in the, in the music and, and movie industry, but that's really where we're headed to is to be able to, and I've, I've said this for, for a while too, is like, what is the cost of acquiring a new customer? The cost of acquiring these new set of eyes. Why not spend those dollars on the people who believe first and to and believe in your mission and let it spread organically through word of mouth? Obviously, you have to still market and do all those things, but I think the dollar amounts that are going to be spent in the future in these tighter communities, I think will actually be dollars spent more wisely. Would you agree? Yeah, I think knowing your audience and I had someone, I was talking to a friend of mine that was uh, the creative director for Ausla, which is like Skrillex's record label. And he was, he was talking with like the brain trust and they, they recognized that basically the 1% of fans accounted for like 80% 
of all of their like activity and commotion on social and revenue and all these things. So it's very much a function of, you know, when you really engage that core group, that that's, that's the wildfire that, that really starts to spread. So rather than going, you know, wide radius shotgun approach, really just focus on that kind of core group and invest in that core group. Um, so that's, that's why we're really sticking into like our, like our web three roots and what we're doing is we work with a lot of web three artists and it's really interesting because they also straddle this line between the, the exclusively web three artwork world, but then also say the web two or even no web, <laughs> just physical artwork world. And that straddling is also where a lot of brands come into play. So by them being honest and authentic with their craft and creating some really interesting experiences, it's then piqued the interests of bigger broadcast channels who are brands and you know creators who are like, this is dope. We want to do something like this. And then we can now enhance the reach to their kind of like more long tail type of audiences. What blockchain are you guys on? Yeah, we're on Ethereum and Polygon. Ethereum and Polygon? Are, yeah. So are your, the pieces of artwork, are those more on the Ethereum network and then these proof of presence on the Polygon network? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We support both artwork from Polygon and Ethereum. We find a lot of it works around Ethereum. We also have, we're pretty close to, I don't want to disclose a date, but we do have a lot of things set up for Tezos, but... Okay. Um, so still work in progress. And then we also any interest in flow. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of big opportunity with flow when it comes to the partners in the ecosystem. And a lot of those partners are in the same conversations with the, the folks that we're talking to. And, uh, so there is a lot of interest. Uh, I mean, we want to be chain agnostic, really. It's like, it comes down to man, manpower, Oh yeah. yeah, of course. <laughs> and, uh, well, we can but... take that conversation offline because I think there's a unique opportunity for you guys over at Flow, uh, especially in the the sports arenas and things of that nature. Exactly, exactly. Like going back to the Loca NFT, it's just yep. thinking about every game at a at a at a you know sports arena or uh, that we could be able to make that such a dynamic experience for fans, where who you're playing, who your sponsors are and uh the time well i just think of yeah i think of the max cooper your dj that's that's on your like i just think of those experiences in ar and Mm -hmm. your interactive murals that you that you've created and just all of these like different unique experiences that can add a layer to the experience of not only the the game but then also that kind of halftime in in between getting your popcorn sitting in line like there's a lot of there's a lot of touch points that that arena could continue to have uh, with with the fan um, during that whole experience and not so that way somebody's just not flipping open their phone and going on Facebook or Instagram or, or Snapchat they can actually be like interacting with the the surrounding and right. kind of being presence of mind but Same anyhow the yeah you know immerse them immerse them in your experience the 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 stadium is this is a place where you can do that. And I think there's a lost opportunity in that going to the bathroom, going to get your popcorn. I think there's an opportunity there just sure. to just to continue to immerse that person. Um, but 
you don't start in blockchain. You don't start here. Like, so where, where does this like growth mindset? Cause that's what this, this podcast here is about at the growth mindset moment is how do you go from this? I guess, where did you start to make the transition into web three? Yeah, no, that's, that's a, I, I love the question. I think it goes, I started off doing digital billboards on pedicabs. <laughs> so that was, <laughs> that was my first business. It was UI, University of Southern California, Trojan chariots, those bike rickshaws that had billboards on them. And then it, and then I, I learned how to do billboard advertising. And then it kept kind of sending me down this trajectory. And then my buddy was starting an online blog and, they had, I think, 2,000 monthly uniques. And they're like, how do we sell digital display advertising? I was like, I don't know. Just figure it out. And and then we started to kind of build that property and work with some uh, Instagram influencers and viners. And they're they're like, hey, I was able to get some funding. Or so I got some, I got some sponsorship money from, like, Atlantic. Um, or, no, from Virgin. Um, do you think you can help me get more advertising? And we're like, yeah, sweet. And then Vine came out and then we started doing Vine ad, like advertisements on Vine. And it was just like, figure it out. And, and so it was, it was, it's, it's always been kind of selling, selling inventory and, and like in the idea of being able to like understand the value proposition of like new technology and new ways of engaging people in real life, whether it be through literally a bike rickshaw where someone's just needs, needs a, a ride around campus to, uh, someone being on and checking out a six second stream of a video that there's been these new ways of tell, like telling stories and being able to uh, be able to bring people into the world of, of, of that, of that broadcast channel of that individual of that sponsor. And so I, I think what, what was really interesting with going from, so making the jump actually into immersive technologies um, that came about because I, I, I don't know how I, th- I, think I, I think I got gifted a 360 camera um, back when Sam, the Samsung 360 camera. And I was living in New York at the time and I was hoping to just kind of get free beer and film artists um, and yeah. just be able to kind of enjoy jumping around and, and capturing the experience of people in in that show, in that show environment with the 360 camera, which then brought me into the the world of, what, what else can we do with this medium? So we started telling stories and then doing music videos and then started to kind of work with record labels to procure these uh, pieces of content, which that, that kind of helped me brought, brought me into the world of uh, Facebook and Spark AR and creators because we're working with a lot of 3D motion designers in the VR world. Um, but anywho, I think it always came from this function of wanting to see what we can do with the medium and that the the story the story doesn't end, and it, it, it always it, it seems like like the, no two things are the same. They just kind of rhyme with each other. So going from VR into AR, it 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 really extended that storytelling capabilities, but in with the real world. And now with blockchain, I see this. We we went into this with a core idea of we wanted to make sure that especially with like the terms of service back in the day with the major platforms, they had a universal license on your content. And so if you uploaded a Spark AR back then, I haven't checked the terms in a little bit, but back then 
at least, you signed over all of your rights and all of the artwork. And it was pretty, pretty garbage. <laughs> so the motivation there was, well, we have, we have while we have this, it's like, we have fire basically. And if we want there to be more equity when it comes to these new kind of systems, we need to get the power back into the hands of the creators and the artists and the people who are doing this. So it's, uh, yeah, it really kind of formed out the basis of let's try and empower these, empower the artists to be able to own their, their, their artwork. Uh, and then the world of what I was working on before with storytelling, once we got like the transactional element of, of, of putting it on chain, then the storytelling component came back into my life and came back into, into the fray of like, now that we have provenance established by, by making the jump into blockchain, and it was tough. Like <laughs> it took a lot of conversations, a lot of friends. Unfortunately, I had some friends that have been in the space for some time and they're like, Rob, this is really like, do it. And I'm like, I'm like, are you sure? It's pretty, seems pretty risky. Um, they're like, no, like this is 20, 2019. My buddy, it's like, NFTs are going to be huge. I was like, dude, I, no one's going to be able to, no one's going to even want to say NFT. Like it's going to be too foreign to them. And he's like, no, trust me. And I was like, all right, you know what? Let's do it. I'm, I'm, I'm here for the principles of it. And if we go after something in a principled manner and we fail, then I feel like it's still going to be a win because we really were honest. And so we went after it. And fortunately there was enough of a community to, to help it pick up and rise. And then, then that turned into the first augmented reality NFT uh, with MF Doom back in 2020. And um, so that, that really set the stage. And then once we built that, then we realized there's a community around this and they want to see these things in their world. <laughs> so let's, let's build it. So, you know, some of it's been premeditated and some of it's really been a, you know, this is where the cards are. This is what people want. Well, and that seems to be what you keep doing is meeting people where they're at, even if it was on a bike rickshaw or if it's at uh, some big concert or if it's at the movie theater or wherever it is, it's empowering the artist to tell their story in a meaningful way and continuing to allow them to keep their rights or transition their rights for derivative projects through their terms of service. These are things that we've talked about constantly on the podcast is make sure that you're reading those terms of terms of service on your minting sites and all of those things. Because if you, as an artist, you, you mint and somebody has written your terms of service for you and completely written away your rights, like you got to be sure that you're, you're doing these things. And that's why I like with the blockchain, as much as um, the, the technical piece of it seems to be straightforward, especially with like places like, uh, like Manifold and, with our project with NF daddies is like, we've, we've given the opportunity for artists to create contracts, but at the same time, it's still difficult. It's still a a smart contract. It's still blockchain. It's still solidity. Like all of it is, it's still very technical. So you're probably going to need a team to help you out. And I'm glad to to hear that there's, you know, companies like Illis out there doing that and assisting artists and keeping the provenance at, and creating generational wealth is really what it's going to end up doing. 
um, because they're a, they're able to own that for the rest of time and all of the um, kind of all of the places that it goes, and especially yeah. with augmented reality. That this is, I want to wrap up here, but I want I do want to ask this one question: Where do you see? It's a two part question. What's the bottleneck in AR, and then what is some governing? situations or or governance that needs to happen or would you like to see a void happen to move this tech forward yeah so to start with the bottleneck i i would say that what's what's kind of beautiful and and one of the reasons why what drew me into augmented reality in the beginning was that because there was billion dollar tech companies at the helm of spark ar and lens studio it exposed billions of people to ar graphics through their social graph and through their platforms so i remember one <laughs> we had one uh one one of our effects we produced for instagram with the it was like a swimwear brand uh it got like two billion views it was just incredible absolutely asinine <laughs> and, and it was and that's that that was the moment at least for us where we're like ar is the thing this is the most effective medium for instantaneous communication and delivery and and engagement and so there's no there's no more powerful and then you know that plus so ar as just a standalone format for telling stories is primo so that, that was that was that was the thing I think where where it gets, but the funny thing about it is that it, it's still called a filter. And so a lot of people don't recognize that as like augmented reality. And so it's really funny. to Yeah, have every filter you put on is augmented reality. Every exactly. single one of them. And so what's funny is this kind of crossover, because a lot of times, too, with with AR, we only think of it as the of a, as a face filter, but when that's that's just a, that's just one direction of the camera that's pointed at you. There's another direction of the camera which is pointed into the world, and I think that's the one where there's so much exploration. I think there's there's definitely both sides to the coin, but I think <clears throat> once we realize we can flip the camera around and we can engage with the world with AR and not just our face. I think that's when we're going to hit it really big for the community, for the utilities through, you know, syncing up some of the APIs that can go into spatial recognition. And it's going to be a whole new generation of utility apps that are just designed with like spatially aware and community driven transactional value. So I think that's, that's a big thing is basically um, producing yeah, give, allowing experiences to be compelling enough where people flip the camera around. Well, I, I think that's. I think to just to your point, once we can get and you talked about this like spatial awareness, and I think of driverless cars and what mm -hmm. what they're capable of. Think about that where I can use both my hands now, and I don't have a camera. It's some sort of wearable device that is not cumbersome whatsoever. It's just it's stylish. It's like you pair your glasses. Um, but it also has the computing power to do all of those, uh, I guess, how do we even say it? Just to do all those calculations to 
understand all of the all of that that's going on around me that's not physically in my world but is in my augmented reality world like that's that is the future if you, totally. have you ever watched altered carbon i have not no. you got to watch it okay you have to watch it if you're in ar you got to be watching that show because it is what i envision like even before i watched that show i was like oh shit this is what i've been thinking about of what this is going to look like it has virtual tokens the whole thing and and depending on which filter you put on shows you different things so those are your levels of of tech yeah no that's 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 really that's really close um yeah so i think yeah our vision of it because i think too like you don't want a kid seeing the same thing as like a 40 year old you know like you just and we know why (laughs) exactly and i think that's where like this token gated aspect to it is so crucial because when we look at how do we permission access into different layers that might be not safe for work or might be right you know things that are sensitive or personal or private that we're able to use on on chain authentication as a as a frictionless way to navigate between these different perspectives are being taken and when you have your you have your phone as such a powerful device that like we're thinking about like blockchain plus computer vision you could have a like a apple pay killer because you can you can scan a car you can then retrieve the Kelly blue book value for the car and then the titles on the chain that you can purchase the car outright in one fail suit from your phone so it's like that's that's the world that we're going to be emerging into and so i think what what is core going back to principles and thinking about this in a because it's really powerful it also means it could be particularly unsafe or Mm -hmm. you know dangerous and so I think for for us, what we really want to focus on is get, making sure that again ownership is is a is a key is a crucial component to all this because if you if this is just kind of willy nilly, then you might have like a hyper reality which could just be really nauseating, and you have you know pop a pad here, pop a pad here, and you you know if you have glasses on or whatever it is that the idea that at least if I jump into your channel and I see the world through your eyes or I see the world through their eyes, that maybe I can come up with a better understanding of what I think reality might be. So there's a lot of, I think what's foundational to kind of the core tenets to this is that there's, there's agency and ownership over whoever's producing the content into the world that they, that they own that. And it's not something that is, um, it's it's not it's not something that is just run of the mill and not um, it's not hasn't been authenticated. Um, and then I think that there is also an area where, when we talk about on chain governance, that's something that is going to be really important. I think in this next episode of of the communities, because if you pair with other people and you have you, like it's basically the digital state. It's like we're able to use this as a as a framework for uh, NFT communities to kind of have their own digital state in the world and kind of bring into the ideas of like in-world engagement, in-world interaction as part of influence that happens in a community. So you could have the local Venice Beach DAO where we're based out of, which could be tied to your civic responsibility of you know being 
you know, beach cleanups and, and doing things of that nature. Ooh, you're speaking my rates. language. You are speaking <laughs> my language, man. And, and so I think it's, it's always got to be tempered with the idea of control, though, because what we don't want to do is create a social currency system like in the CCP. So I think it's very much this like this tiptoeing line. And we want to surround ourselves with people that are thinking about these hard questions and thinking about, um, you know, the power of an always on persistent AR cloud and what that means for our relationship to space and each other and to keep asking those questions. Yeah, the social currency one, that that uh, that conversation can get pretty deep and that's probably one that we could spend a whole podcast on just talking about that piece. Um, but no, I, I absolutely agree with you. And I think that the allow lists have been these kind of step in that direction, these commingling of NFT projects and allowing, because with an NFT, you have a, a uh, transaction or a contract code and that contract code can be implemented into your smart contract. And I know this is a lot of like technical jargon, but it allows you then as a holder of that, particular project to gain access to the other project um so that's the piece that i think that whenever you have i think about nfts as genres so if you have these genres of movies you have genres of music uh there are now genres of nfts and i think that they you see like some of these sports nfts that want to mix with pop culture nfts and that makes sense because they're clothing brands with sports and they're you see these symbiotic relationships being formed um, just just because because it makes sense. It makes business sense. It makes community sense. Um, and it's all about telling this similar story. Uh, and that's where being an authentic company and being authentic people has allowed certain allowed certain NFT and blockchain companies surface. And rise because they're not just out here trying to make quick flips. They're actually trying to build a real, uh, a real presence. And I think that's what Illis is doing in a really meaningful way and empowering artists and telling stories and giving us something fun to do in the meantime too. Right. So you're actually giving us, um, you're, you're giving us utility in terms of this passport and also access to artists and all types of different things. So I just I just want to give you flowers for that, and I think that what you're doing here, um, w whenever you do actually um, announce the Loka NFT, I think that's going to be a big hit. I think those are things that it's it's like an on chain scavenger hunt. It's it's a no brainer. It's a no brainer to me, um, and I look for big things out of you guys. Is there anything that you'd like to get across uh, to to our listeners before before we part ways here? Yeah, I think it's really the idea that we. The world is ours like we can we, we can claim this space this is ours to play around with and i don't think that there's any like we we have the power to change our situations and we're hoping that this is one element of the of the equation that that this could be supportive in any way and um i mean i think in, in general it's like let's keep trying things out and be intentional with what we're putting into the world and, and then, uh, you know, see and keep seeing where it goes, but have, you know, tempered knowledge that we, we got this. You heard it. We got this guys. Enjoy the journey. <laughs>
Awesome. Thank you for staying here until the very end. If you would do us a favor and leave a comment or a review wherever you downloaded or streamed this podcast from, that goes a long way to help us spread the word about growth mindset. If you're a Web3 native or looking to get started, you can catch us over at Twitter on Tuesday nights where we host the Twitter Spaces at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard. There are unique surprises for those of you who attend those shows in addition to our podcast here. It's a Rug Radio production. Until next time, enjoy the journey. Enjoy the journey.